0: You know, I come to church sometimes, and I sit halfway down the back there, and I think to myself, what am I doing? Is this it? Or um, I feel like I'm just going through the motions, you know, kind of, what's all this about? You know, this is a Christian walk. I've been one for 37 years, but you know, occasionally I think that. I know a lot of you don't. A lot of you are on fire, and you don't have any of those thoughts at all, and um, you're not the ones I'm talking to. You're the, I'm talking to the other ones that have those sort of thoughts that fleetingly go through your mind. There's even a couple up the front that have those thoughts, but um, we're everywhere. And um, But at the beginning of the year, I thought, Father, I really wanna know who you are. And um, I really love Jesus. But I don't know about this God thing. You know, Father God, he kinda he, he kinda, you know sometimes I get right a lightning bolt might come down and get me or something. You know, you know I know Jesus loves me. But um people, you know, talk about judgment day and giving account, and I'm thinking, I don't know about this Father God, you know, so, but he, he's not actually schizophrenic, you know, I kind of think he is, but, but he's not, and as I, um, I started, um, I've had some amazing encounters with God over the years, when I was a young, a young guy, <coughs> I was a little like, um, I was definitely like the prodigal that came to the Father's house. And um, Bob Hamilton will give account of this. He said, I, I was so washed out with drugs and taking LSD that I, I couldn't even hold a sentence together. And, um, but I, I was kind of desperate and looking for the truth and looking for answers to life. And, and I, I met these people that really impacted me. And I came to a point where, where I came to church. And uh, get this, I virtually ran up the front. I want to give my heart to the Lord. You know, the guy was talking about a relationship with God that He loves you, has a purpose, and a plan for His life. So, um, the, the first opportunity I got, I ran up the front. I got, I got orders. I'm not allowed to step down from here because of the big screen. So, hi, everyone out there in the wide world. But you know, there, there's a part of me that kind of really does want to leap out and grab someone and just love them. And um, I'll, I'll do that later. But uh, I got a lot of love going on in here, and um, so to walk with the Lord, I really got to cut my time down too. What I was going to say because um, Mar- Marlene's a really good communicator, and I'm kind of thinking, man, she's taking all my time. But uh, um, but I had, you know, over the years, I've had some amazing encounters with God, and um, but I would have been maybe. Thirty-seven. No, I would have been a bit young. About thirty-three. I'm. I'm nearly sixty, um, but uh, um, I'm looking pretty good for sixty-eight. I'm in my 60th year I see see some of Marlene's friends. You know, she's sixty-one, and um, I see some of her friends, and I go, "Oh, oh. I mean, I'm married the right one." <laughs> Some years haven't been too kind for her, some of her friends, but um, <laughs> yeah, it almost brought some tears to my eyes, but um, I wake up in the morning, I get up in the morning and I kind of look at, she likes sleeping in a little, and I go in there and I look at her and think, oh, when's she going to wake up, when's she going to wake up, you know, so I can talk to her. I really love my wife, we've been married for 37 years, and um, I, I used to think when I was young, you know, you've got to have... You know, when I was kind of, I don't know, in my teenage years, I used to think, oh, you know, what would make me really happy was really have a flash motorbike, you know, like a Harley or Osnes or and Crimes in those days, and you have a hot chick on the back, and um, you have lots of money, and um, I kind of had those things, lost all those things, but I've still got the hot chick, and, uh, yeah, so... I'm I'm incredibly thankful to the Lord for um, his goodness and giving me an incredibly amazing wife. And um, I just want to share a scripture out of, I'm talking about a journey. It's been a journey of knowing the Father, Father God. And when I was 33, honestly, I, I could pray to Jesus, I could talk to Jesus, he was my friend but Father God, I just really couldn't get my head around that one. And um, I, I kind of know, I knew he loved me. I'd go out witnessing and telling people all about Jesus and, and the Father and um, how he loves people, come into his kingdom. And um, he's got a purpose and a plan for your life, etc. And he loves you immensely. But, um, yeah, I knew it in my head. I knew the Jesus thing. He was my friend. He kind of walked with me. But knowing the Father in my heart was a totally different thing. And um, I just want—I want to read out of the Passion Bible. It's a really amazing translation. Out of Ephesians chapter three, verse fourteen. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that He would unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory and favor, until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine power and ex- Sorry, his divine and explosive power. Then it goes on to say, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the source and root of your love, your life. Then you'll become empowered to discover what every every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring, how inclusive it is, endless beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you and you are filled with overflowing and the fullness of God. What amazing words, great magnitude, astonishing love, deeply intimate, far-reaching as is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless beyond measurement that transcends our understanding, this extravagant love. And I, I kind of asked the question, you know, how, how many of us experience that? Do you, do you live in it? Like on a reasonably constant basis. And I've come to realize that you're supposed to. It's supposed to be kind of the norm. Because it says that every holy one experiences this. You know, and God's in the business of making us holy. Holy and how we become holy is becoming whole. And you can't be whole without being holy, and you can't be holy without being whole. And about 5 years ago, 6 7 years ago, as a lot of you know, I started a journey with Peter and Sandy with Elijah House because I realized I wasn't whole. Been a pastor of the church for 10 years. We didn't been a Christian for 37 years, but I still realized I had I had gaping holes in myself. And Sandy does this little analogy, this little picture, and she's holding this container up that has a whole lot of holes, and she's pouring water into it. But it's kind of leaking out. And, you know, that's the Holy Spirit being poured into us, the love of God, but we can't contain it. And, I mean, that's been a bit of a story of my life. I couldn't contain what the goodness of God. And I want to share a little bit. About containing the presence of God, Um, but I also want to just keep in mind this—the great magnitude of His love, how amazing it is. So I'm going to get Elijah. I took my wife on a little holiday to the states um, earlier this year, and uh, I really wanted to do that because she said she had cancer a few years ago, and and I haven't been the best of husbands to live with. But we took a, We went to the Grand Canyon. And it just blew my socks off. And uh, a friend of mine said, I said to him, you know, I was getting all excited. Oh, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? We're going to go look at some rocks. So he, he takes us to the Grand Canyon. So we've got, a, we've got another picture there. This is This is Bryce Canyon. Because the next day, I said, oh, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? I was like a little kid. Um, he said, oh, I'm going to take you to see some more rocks. <laughs> so this is what he took us to see. Isn't it amazing? Blue. Uh, yeah, look, I just couldn't comprehend it. You know, we're us Kiwis. You know, we don't see things like this. And, um, and I'm thinking, well, you know, Grand Canyon's pretty awesome. Bryce Canyon's pretty awesome. What are we going to do tomorrow? Well, I'm going to go see some more rocks. So this is Zion Canyon. Isn't so that stunning. And we drove down that little road. It was amazing rocks. But kind of God is way bigger than the Grand Canyon. And his love that he wants to show us and he wants to reveal to us is way bigger than Bryce Canyon. But... Those canyons blew me away. We went to... I mean, we got pictures of it, but we went up into these mountains like 12,000 feet up in the air. And it was like the Swiss Alps. I just didn't know. We were on this desert in Colorado. And we are about 6,000 feet up. It's just all desert everywhere. And he said, oh, I'm going to take you up this mountain. And we went 12,000 feet up into this mountain, and it was kind of green meadows pine trees, deer running around, and I thought, I should have bought my gun, but, um, I know, we don't shoot Bambi, I know, but, uh, (laughs) it was just, I, I was blown away, but how much more does God love? God wants to reveal his love to us, and, um, what's the time? It's 10 past 15 minutes, um, I haven't got enough time to talk about it all. Somewhere, some of us get stuck. As I said, I I came to church as a prodigal, but I I ended up like the prodigal's brother. And... um, I just became really performance-based, and I think, really, I was really always performance. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be valued. I wanted to be on the cutting edge. I wanted to be in where all the action was happening, and I was doing this, and I was doing that, and uh, you know, then then somebody said, well, you know, if you really want the anointing, you've got to pray in tongues for half an hour. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I'm into that, and I'll pray for an hour, and i um, would know, be praying away, and then I'm thinking, man, this is hard work. And, uh, you know, I kind of kind of have some kind of experiences. And then, then they said, no, if you really want the anointing, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to read at least 10 chapters a day. And I thought, okay, I'm going to read 20 chapters a day. And, um, you know, my wife sat down and she read the, the Bible. And within a couple of months, I mean, she's just a, wee, uh, a bookworm. But, um, you know, and I, I just kind of learned all these things. I've got to do all these things because, you know, I want the anointing. I want to be used by God. And what I found out it started to kind of like really burn me out because i mean i had a life <laughs> i had a business to run i had a wife to look after i had kids to look after and i was doing all these things and um, and what i came to see was you got to keep your life in balance it's good to pray it's good to, and it's good to speak in tongues i mean i don't want to just dis- disciplines, so Christian disciplines that will hold us in good stead, and we need to work, learn and know the Word of God, get it in our heart, get it in our spirit, and make it a part of us, but I became incredibly performance-orientated, and I was just so driven to do things, to be accepted, to be valued, to be loved, and it's not all, it wasn't always like that, but there was sort of this undercurrent going on as well. And uh, it wasn't until we did an Elijah House course, and um, now this is about five or six years ago. It was a A school, and there was a a chapter on being performance orientated. And uh, I can remember after doing it, I sat down and I said to there was a few people in the lounge. I think Sandy might have been there. And um, this was down at Pete and Sandy's place. And I said, "Man, I used to be really performance orientated." just so thankful that I'm not anymore, and straight away I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, "No, you're lying," and uh, <laughs> you still are. And uh, so it's been a real funny journey of just kind of asking God to come into my life and and heal me, make me whole, take away those places in me that are that are you know broken. And uh, so why why am I driven? Why do I want to be accepted? Why do I feel like I'm I'm not cutting it? And um, yeah, so I, it just started me on a journey of just kind of going deep, looking within, and um, over the course of this year, I felt um, God really just, really speak to me, because at the beginning of the year, I wrote in my journal, Father, I want to know you as a son, I really want to know you, because I, I, I've had fleeting glimpses of it over the years, of, of experiencing God as a father. You know, and one time I was doing a course at the healing church. I've done a lot of inner healing courses over the years. And, um, but, but there was one guy called Craig Hill and it was doing a course on anger and resentment and so on. And so as you're watching this video, watching him talking, kind of like memories would come up. And often the memories that come up are, are and it's not that you go looking for them, but it's like the Holy Spirit brings something that happened to you. And um, he wants you to, you know, deal with it because it, you know, in some way, it affected your life. And uh, this little incident—it's a bit. I Hope you can handle it. But anyway, um, and it was you know, so the the session came to an end, and we went into these little rooms, we all broke into little groups, and they said, "Well, what, you know, what did the Holy Spirit say to you?" And um, you know, you know, did it trigger something in you? And I said, "You yeah, did actually." I You know, there was this incident that happened when I was about four years old that really brought a lot of shame around my life. And, um, I said, oh, do you want to talk about it? I said, oh, it was a bit, you know, I kind of felt a bit awkward about it. But I said, well, actually, I went to this lady's house. The whole family went and stayed with this lady. And she had one of those pristine houses where everything's clean, tidy. And uh, she had three little girls that were well potty trained. And, um, I was the little boy on the block that came in here. I was the little four-year-old. And, uh... I went into this... Uh, I, anyway, I went to... Cut a long story short. I went to the toilet. And as little four-year-olds do sometimes, they have little mistakes. And um, so I'm... Anyway, um, he got the picture. And um, left a little bit on the toilet seat. Anyway, she drags me in there and says, you're a dirty little boy, blah, blah, blah. you got to clean your mess up. And, um, you know... I don't know I would have been in my 30s going to this course that thought has always been in, it's not been in the back of my mind but it's never gone away let's put it that way it's not that you think that and um, but it really did something in my spirit and I became I came to believe I was a dirty little boy and I you know and it's the struggle with shame and there are other things that happened in my childhood that I won't really go into that just reinforce the fact that there was you know and there was this tremendous shame around my life and um she said oh well, let's just pray now she asked how you felt and I said well I felt shame I felt unclean I felt dirty I felt because that was the lie I believed and uh so you know there's a thing about positive affirmations you can say that and there's a place for it but if there's a lie underneath the pots of affirmations, you know we can declare what God says about us and we're this, we're overcomers, we blah blah blah. But underneath, if your core believers that you're dirty or you're flawed in some area, you can say that till the cows come home. Until you deal with that lie, and often we're not conscious of the lie. You know, because I just it. buried it. Happened something, you know, dirty five years ago. I was just a little fella. I... You know, you don't think about it. But when I stopped and started thinking about it and processing, this is a lie, I believed about myself. And um, I said, well, Con, let's just pray and just see what God will do. So we just started praying. What does God want to say to you? You know what I found him say to me? This is my beloved. The first thing that came to my mind, this is why I knew it was God this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And I had this picture of this little boy peeing on the toilet seat and my father in heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't see when we make mistakes. You know, when when your little baby pops her pants or his pants you don't go up to that little baby and say, You dirty little fella, what did you do that for? You're stressing me out and you're stinking the house out. You don't do that. You pick up that little baby and give it a cuddle and say, I love you, I think you're the bomb. And you give it a good claim, change its nappies. And everybody thinks that's what it's like with God. And we we, we so often think that's what it's like with our father when we stuff up. He doesn't turn his back on and you think you're stupid idiot, you know. He's not like he'd He'll come, he'll run to us. He wants to run to us, pick us up in his arms and say, we're okay, we're all right. I believe in you, I trust in you. And you're the man. It's true. We've got such a wrong concept of God and we think we just blow it so many times. You know, either we think we blown, or God's just hanging out on us. But he loves us. He loves us. He's a father that loves us. That cares for us, that believes in us, and we've got to get that in our spirits. You know, the 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 thing that has really been on my heart, and I've kind of shared it with Bob and I've shared it with Dave a few a few times. This church is called to impact this city in an amazing way, and um, and I I love. How this everyone deserves in this church works in this church. They work really hard to make it what it is today, and um, I take my hat off to the people that get behind the scenes and make it what it is. And I really want our church to be known as a love-based church. Now, it's not a performance-based church; it's a love-based church. And I see the love in our church and the love in people rising up and reaching out to people and loving people into the kingdom and um, that's our goal it's one of our goals and I, I just know that if we can get a handle on the love of the Father that his love towards us I'm way right off track of what I've written out. there's so much to say, but he loves us immensely and if we allow him to come into our heart change our lives and and heal us and make us whole because that's his heart he wants to make us whole and when I, when I see Christians behaving badly, and me included, I, I realize I've got an orphan mentality. You know, when we become fearful, when we become fretful, when we become anxious, when we become nasty. Some of us get nasty. Oh, hey, um, none of us here but I. <laughs> Um, I, I, I just briefly just, I want to just go over some things what God showed me to this year was I had to deal with my orphan mentality and um, Mike did a really good um, presentation of the Father Heart just a couple of weeks ago but I just want to pick up a few things so orphans don't know where the, who they are you know, the identity's shattered and um And orphans often put their identity in their possessions, their position, things that they do. They have a prevailing sense that they don't have a safe and secure place in Father's heart, where they're loved, where they're accepted, where they're nurtured, where they're affirmed and nurtured into their destiny. They can be... That often at home is not a safe place. I've been talking to a few guys about this orphan mentality, and I'm surprised at the number of adults that feel like orphans in their own home, like it's not really the house. That they don't really feel like they belong. That the house is a safe place. It just surprised me as I just talked with people. So, so one of the characteristics of orphans is that they become very self-sufficient they don't need anybody, they don't need you. I can do it myself, I'll look after myself. And the reality I've found is most people come from homes that really represented an unsafe place. And as adults, we struggle just feeling like we belong or feeling a part, sometimes can be, we struggle feeling a part of a church, sometimes we feel we struggle being part of the family, feeling part of the family, but God really wants to heal that part in our lives, and he wants us to kind of grow up, grow up in him. And um, I'm incredibly conscious of the time, because this is a huge subject, Jesus said um, in John 14, I think, he said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans and I'm going to come to you. And he really wants to impact us with a sense of his love, a sense of his kindness, his mercy, his long-suffering, his patience, because that's who he is. He's all those things. He's not out there to shame us, to put us down, you know, the thing I, one of the things I really struggled with for many, many years is the accusatory voices that would go on. I'm you know, you're just not good enough. You got this, you got that. You know, God sees past all our flaws when he looks at us. He doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see where we're struggling. He doesn't see, well, he sees where we're struggling. He's saying, he's saying come on, son, come on, daughter, give it to me. I want to come into your life and help you in the areas that you're struggling with. And we tend to want to hide away and or deny or minimise or just kind of block it out and just get on our own waka. The thing, the thing that I um, so many things I want to say in so short a time. I got orders too to finish at eleven thirty. Um, the the thing that hinders us from experiencing God or. This has my, been my journey is, you know, I've, I've had amazing experiences with the Father, but I, I couldn't. I'm not talking about just loving Jesus again through the motions. I'm talking about an, an experience with God, with a loving Father that loves us, that would come into us and heal us. And, and, and we know, you know those, those words, the unmeasurable love and faithfulness of God. The great magnitude, the astonishing love, the enduring and inc- how enduring and inclusive it is—endless love—and I'm just going to finish by saying it's becoming a reality more and more in my life this year. I've made it a purpose in my heart to seek him, and I want to know him, Lord. I want to get rid of every barrier, every wall that I've put up that's stopping me experiencing this extravagant love. And he's, he's beginning to come in in such a real tangible way that I just know that i And I just know that so many people struggle with this. And it's so real for so many people, knowing a father that loves them because they've never had a father. I was listening to this prayer where this guy prayed for this lady, this young lady, and he, he was standing in the place of her father who she never had. And he said, forgive him for not being there, being the father there for you. And where you the hurt that you had in your heart that you didn't have a father to love. And I really thought about that, not having a father to love. What does that mean, not having a father to love? Because it it wasn't my experience when I was growing up, having a father to love. I knew knew he loved me, but he he could never ever say it, never show it in a physical manner. So I did have my doubts growing up. But when I thought about how he prayed for this young lady, having a father to love, and I, I realised when I saw my grandkids, I really see the love of God in my grandkids. When my grandkids come and see me, they leap out of the car, and they come running up to me, and they say, God, I love you, I love you. I ah, love like this. They do. That's what my grandkids do. And they just love on me. Things for coming up here. I needed somebody to love But this is what it's like. They've got a kuro, they've got a dad, they've got a mum they can run to and jump on them and love because they feel safe, they feel secure, they feel valued, they feel important, they feel of worth that nothing that they've done that day, that week is gonna stop mum and dad and kuro and nana from loving them. God wants us to be like that with our Heavenly Father. Can you believe that? Some of you struggle. I know some of you struggle. But that's what He's like. And I'm trying to demonstrate to you just here. That's what it, He's waiting for us to run up to Him and say, Daddy. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing. He's my daddy. I'm relating to Him now. I can really say, He's my daddy. He's not, you know, God is over there. Jesus, yeah, okay, we're fine but God's over there. It's like, you know, calling God a tree. There was no emotional attachment to him. And now, when I'm talking about my heavenly father, I call him my daddy. Daddy's with me. I don't like using the word God because that's so impersonal. He's my daddy. And I was talking to my friend about it. And he said, oh, you can't say that. You can't relate to God like that. You know, he's holy. He's reverent. He's awesome. I said, yeah, I know, I know all that. But you know what? I'm his son. You're his daughter. You can run to him with open arms because he loves you. That's the truth. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you feel you're flawed, you can run to your dad and say, Dad, I need you to love me. I need you to meet this need. You know, and I've been inviting him into my business because I've been so stressed out the last few weeks. I've said too many yes to too many things and not enough no's. And I think, Father, I need you to come in and help me navigate through the day. Not, I've got to work it out myself because I'm an orphan. I'm on my own. You know what? And he's come and he's helped me navigate through the day. That's our Father. It's our Father. It's our Father. Yeah. The the reason why I couldn't sustain and contain the times that I've had revelations, I would be about five times in my life as a Christian I've really experienced the Father's love five times in 37 years. Hey, I know not it's not all of you guys that have got kind of everyday thing happening but I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the other guys that five times I really want to know Him on a daily basis this is supposed to be normal that even when I stuff up I can run to Him and say, Daddy I really need you to help me. I'm struggling. And he says, son, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. Daughter, you're my daughter. I love you. I think you're special. And we're going to work this out together. I'm going to come and make you whole. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to help you through the decisions you've got to make. He wants to come in and be a part of us. We wish. I really do want to give an older call. If there's anybody here, that's never given their heart to the Lord and want to experience the love of God in your life, I want to encourage you to come forward. and We're going to pray for you because I believe that God's going to touch you. I really believe the Father's going to touch you. So I want to encourage you to come forward but there's others here that really want to experience the Father's love. Really want to touch. I want to know Dad loves me. I want you to come forward and I really believe that to touch you in that particular area in your life. And He's going to impact you. You're going to go from here experiencing the love of God. And I just believe today we can talk about this for six months. And I've encouraged you, Dave, we need to talk about this for six months. We need to be saturated with the love of God, the Father God. Because the Bible says... When we, when we know how much we're loved, there's no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. A lot of us struggle with fear. A lot of us struggle with anxiety because we're doubting Father's love. We're doubting who we are. That's why we're struggling. But as we worship, I just want to just give that room. Come, come up. There's people here that are going to pray with you, going to minister to you. You're going to experience the love of God. Can I just get the um, prayer ministers to um, just come up and just pray for people. Really love on them. Really show them the Father's love.